Hi, I'm Jack Grimmer at Wickham Wanderers, and you're listening to Wickham Sound. The Wickham Wanderers Show. Welcome to the latest edition of the Wickham Wanderer Show, back after last week's postponement. Uh, lots to get through. Uh, coming up in the next hour, we'll hear from legendary winger Steve Guppy. We'll catch up with Wickham Wanderers women ambassador Emily Isaac. We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth, Steve Brown, uh, who was summarising for us uh, with the commentary uh, from uh, the game against Accrington Stanley on Tuesday night. We'll uh, bring you uh, that uh, post-match interview with Gareth as well. Uh, we'll hear from Phil, as you'd expect. Um... Nope, I think that's it. Uh, plenty to bring you, though, uh, between now and uh, the end of this week's programme. We'll start with our debrief, of course, with Phil, at uh, what's been obviously a very difficult time uh, for everyone, uh, and those at the club included. Yeah, it was obviously terrible news, and, and having all football postponed, it meant there was a gap of 10 days between uh, games, which is uh, it's quite difficult to deal with at this stage of the season from a playing perspective. They're all fit and raring to go. They've come through pre-season. They've gotten into the into the match schedules and the, into their routines, and then to lose a game um, when it, everyone's in the same boat. But yeah, it was it was a tough one. It's a tough one for Vokesy because he was on the bench uh, for the trip to Fleetwood, and I think the plan was to get him on there uh, maybe in the closing stages to get him some minutes on his return from injury. But with the early red card of Gareth McCleary, then that wasn't possible. Um, so yeah, he he would have been really champing at the bit, I think, and really probably looking forward to getting stuck into Port Vale at Adams Park on the Saturday. But he had to wait a few more days and uh, and it was good to see him playing the 90 uh, on Tuesday against Accrington Stanley. But yeah, I think the mood's good. Um, I think the return of, of Tafazoli, the introduction of Max Striek in goal, um, the return of Voxy, I think the... The, you know, the the better and better form of Josh Gurney just keeps getting better and better, doesn't he? So, um, so yeah, so that spine of the team now is starting to look really consistent. Uh, I think Alfie Mawson's really coming into his own as well. So I think it's what Gareth said a few weeks ago when there was that sticky run. He said, look, judge us when the players are back fit and and he's got what he needs. And, uh, and lo and behold, that's what's happened and, and the results have, have come along as well. So uh, a tough run coming up. So I thought Tuesday night's win was, was very important. I think especially when fans would have seen the, the starting lineup for for Tuesday, they'd have been really encouraged for, for many of the reasons that you've highlighted. Yeah, and then it was a change to back three as well, which always gets fans talking, doesn't it? Because then it's like, oh, you know, why has he done that? And uh, and obviously, if you lose that game, then it's like, oh, well, it's down to going to back three. But then we, we, we won the game. And I think the the first 15 minutes, you could tell, I think Akritas Stan had been working very hard on uh, playing it to back four. Um, although they didn't really have any strikers on the pitch um, due to their own sort of injury situation. Um, but yeah, they certainly seemed thrown by how Wickham approached the game uh, initially. I thought they, they played very well, especially in the second half. So it was a, it was a very good win indeed but yeah I think um, you know it's, it looks like he's finding his best 11 uh, and it was interesting to get Jason McCarthy in and Jack Grimm I think Jack Grimm has been excellent um, especially in that last game as well and the, on that right hand side of a back three just shows that bit of versatility and then to have Jason McCarthy come into that right wing back role um, I think it's just a good way of getting those players into that system uh, that Gareth Ainsworth seems to like. Uh, he was being very coy earlier about what system he, he prefers to play and uh, and obviously wants to keep people guessing. But I think it's nice that we've got these two systems now where we've seen the players looking comfortable and uh, and the system works on Tuesday uh, and uh, will be interesting to see what he does uh, against Derby on Saturday. But he was obviously quite buoyant after I spoke to him uh, after the final whistle on Tuesday night. And I thought um, we were solid. We didn't look like we were going to get scored against. They had one really good chance, you know, where put across in and I think low or lay out it was, got it to it near post. Max was superb, you know, and uh, I thought his handling, the way he, he, 
he manages the team in front of him and, uh, and his kicking was, was outstanding but he had a great 10 in front of him you know a real 10 I don't want to pick anyone out today because everyone everyone was super it was a wicked performance in the rain on a zippy pitch you know with uh, a Tuesday night you know two, three maybe four thousand fans here that's all that we can you know we, we get for these games and uh, and fair play to the Accrington fans you know for travelling all that way I, I live up there I know how far it is um, but they, they they were there for their team and, uh, and I'm sure that um, they'll get more points on the road because they're decent you know when they can hurt you coming forward but we didn't want to be hurt today you know the boys we drilled well this week. We we uh, changed shape slightly. Obviously, we went um, three at the back, and uh, and I thought it worked well. I think that you know, looking at the footage with Josh earlier in the week, that's the way we wanted to have a look at things. And uh, and then Double Blooms come in. And I told them what I wanted to do, and you know, together we we all verified that you know we thought that was the way that we could uh, we could hurt Atkinson. I thought first off, first ten minutes we were uh, camped in their half, and then when they started chucking so much forward at us when we weren't one 0 up. Anis seemed to be getting so much space and then Ali when he came on and I thought we could have added one or two more gay piece run through just lost his legs didn't he and, uh, and that last final bit but um, Lewis Wing and uh, again you know chances uh, and got Volksy right at the end it would have been great to cap that off but uh, no really pleased good to have Volksy back um, the legs have got to be rested now for Saturday because we've got a big big game coming up uh, Derby you got beat today and not going to be happy about that so but really pleased really pleased with everyone today we had Steve Brandon comes tonight and unsurprisingly was purring about the central midfielders Josh mm. Go and Dominic Gape fantastic tonight absolutely you know and then Nick Freeman when he came on we, we I, you know I put another one in there because I thought they were just getting hold of the ball a little bit too much for me and, uh, and Nick did a job as well so but Dom and, and Josh honestly there's not two better midfielders in this league I'm telling you um, and, and if there is they're, they're probably here you know with Lewis Wing Nick Freeman Jack Young coming through and, and Curtis Thompson wow you know I forgot about Curtis he's been he's been injured for a while so we've got these these midfield ratters because the way we play they love you know I just said to Dom I said I thought you are outstanding Dom covered every blade and he said to me I loved it Gaffer and that's, that's, <laughs> that's great for me when they when they love playing this dogged way sometimes we probably went slightly away from some of the flowing football we've played but again that was for me I, I wanted to to make sure the tactics were right to, to try and get at Accrington they, they press you high and we tried to get the ball forward as quick as we could to get in behind them and uh, and it worked um, Jason McCarthy's goal took really well brilliant to have him back in the team and as is Sam Volks uh, like I say it's only one game John's a, a wily wily fox in this game they'll get points on the road believe me and, uh, and I consider that a good result against uh, a management team that's as nearly as long as me you know they've been together so very, very big respect for Accrington Accrington by my count 11 corners probably double figures in terms of long throws into the box yeah. as well but the clean sheet will certainly please you after some of the troubles that Wickham had in the earlier games of the season with set pieces yeah we, we, we worked hard on it you know um, and we, we brought them in in, in a couple of afternoons working on that we've watched Accrington uh, extensively and long throws and set pieces but I, I think that any team tonight would have struggled to play the way we pressed the way we, the energy was in the team I think the boys were a bit aggrieved at last week's equaliser and uh, and they, they wanted to put a marker down tonight and, and that's really good but um, you know, safe trip one for Accrington like I say a lot of respect that's my part of the world but um, really pleased we got the win and also obviously fans who would have uh, either heard your commentary or been to the game as well there were a number of um, standout names uh, from uh, that we, we heard him especially praising the, the midfield talent uh, available to him 
Absolutely. Gape and, and Scoan together um, were fantastic. I think Gareth Ainsworth uh, described them as ratters. Uh, and so they run around sort of getting, winning the ball back, doing a lot of pressing. Um, and it allows Lewis Wing to kind of push forwards and, and use the ball further up the pitch. But the assist from the goal came from Josh Scoan. I thought he was superb. Steve Brown gave him the man of the match, which was a, a tough decision because Anish Vermitti had, had really lit Adams Park up as well on Tuesday night. Um, but yeah, I think the... Um, the big performers as well. I think Alfie Mawson didn't miss anything all night. I think he looks great alongside Tafazoli and in the back three with Jack Grimmer. But the keeper has made a huge difference, Colin, because um, it's just that, that, that game experience. And, and not that Tyler Dickinson did anything wrong in, in those opening games, but you could tell he's very much learning the game and learning senior football. Invaluable experience for him. But Wickham Wanderers, I think with the change of personnel at the back as well, needed some solidity and stability there. And with the return of Taff, uh, the introduction of Mawson, Orson, who's been playing 90 minutes now, which is great. Uh, and now Max Striak behind. And it's three clean sheets in five appearances for Max. And uh, it was really good to speak to him after the game as well. Firstly, we wanted to win the game. Uh, I think our objective was achieved. We won the game. Uh, obviously, clean sheet and defensive performance from our team was brilliant today. And I think everyone seems to be happy today because of we could have, you know, they could have broken us down on the corners, um, set places and stuff like this, but actually we stood up and defended really well our box, so that's credit to all the team. A big defensive display, it was 11 corners by my count and I think maybe double figures in terms of long throws into the box, so a lot of defending to do as a unit. I lost count after the first one to be fair. <laughs> no, I'm joking, obviously yeah, they, we knew what they are all about, we knew they are going to put physical uh, battle into it, we knew they are about set pieces throw-ins, corners, uh, free kicks and stuff like this. So we prepared for that game really well. And I think, as you could see today, didn't really have much you know, shots and the chances to, to score a goal. It's the first time we've spoken to you since the day you signed. How have you settled into life here at Wickham Wanderers? It's great. I'm really enjoying it. And obviously, staff, facilities, everything is amazing. I'm really happy here. I just basically love coming into training, love playing games, and then hopefully soon I will find a, find a place to live. But actually, like, I'm, I'm enjoying the area. I'm just settling fine for now. And while we got you on there, are you looking for somewhere to live in Wickham? What do you need? And ideally, two-bedroom house with a garden, but we'll see. OK, if anyone can help, Max, he's a lovely guy. <laughs> and I've got a dog. OK, and a dog as well. The dog's <laughs> nice as well, right? He's nice, but I'm not saying a breed. OK. People will get scared. Really good to hear from Max, and and you know, as you say, he seems to have settled in so well. Yeah, and he's um, he, he's quite a striking character. He's quite sort of intense uh, when when you meet him, but he's very friendly. He's got a huge smile, and um, and underneath it all, you can tell there's um, there's a proper goalkeeping personality. If you know what I mean, Colin. Um, they say they're all crazy. Stocko certainly was, and I think Max has got it in him as well. Um, so there's a certain sense of mischief about him, which I'm looking forward to uh, discovering as the weeks go by. Uh, also, it's brilliant to have Steve Brown alongside you um, on Tuesday as well. Absolutely fantastic to have Brownie with me. He was, I loved watching him as a player. He was brilliant. And you could just tell by the love that he got online uh, from people listening in and watching in on Wanderers TV, listening to Wickham Sound and the commentary. Uh, they loved Brownie still. And it was wonderful. And we learned so much about him as well. Uh, uh, people asking him if he still had his allotment and things. I had no idea that he was a gardener. And uh, yeah, and apparently that was common knowledge back in the day. I, I missed that as a fan. Um, but really good to get his insight onto the game as well 
goal. And he was so excited watching Josh Gowen and Dominic Gate flying into tackles. I think more so than even when Wickham scored. Uh, <laughs> sort of, he was that combative midfielder, and I think he just loved watching it uh, unfold on the pitch. And it, like he said, he's a huge fan of um, of Josh Gowen. He was hugely impressed with Anis Fermetti as well, and he says he loves watching him play. Uh, so yeah, it'll be really good. And um, we're speaking to him uh, since then, and hoping to get him back on a, on a few more games this season as well because uh, he was excellent. And really nice to get his thoughts after the game as well on how he thought what he saw uh, would help the team going forward. I think, you know, they're competitive. Gareth's got a team that's going to be competitive all season and I saw that tonight, you know, they're their their work rate they get up and down the pitch they they go and press the ball they 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 have a lot of t- they create a lot of turnovers just through their work rate and that's good for the for the likes of Josh and Dominic Gabe and you know Jason McCarthy who want to get up and down the pitch as well as Jordan Abitra on the other side to get up there and support the play because they they do break and they win the ball at times when the opposition are open because they're in possession and that's when they can play through teams and and hopefully score more goals I mean tonight it it, it you know it looks just like a one nil but I must say the action keeper made four or five really top top saves that keeps them in the game and at one nil they're always in the game so so for me you know one doesn't really reflect Wickham's performance tonight. I think three or four would have been more reflective of the chances they created. But yeah, it's exciting. The next group of games, going to Derby um, on Saturday, they can go there and get a result, no doubt. A bit of extra spice of that in that game as well. So Derby next, and uh, obviously relegated last season, and, and there's other sort of history between the two sides as well. But uh, that'll be a very different sort of test to, to what was faced at Adams Park on Tuesday. Yeah, their home form is really, really good. They haven't scored a goal away from Pride Park. Um, so, yeah, on the, on, the, on the road, they're struggling. Uh, at home, though, they seem to be OK. Although they did lose their last uh, home uh, game against Plymouth 3-2, having led that one 2-0. Um, and it's been interesting. I spoke to um, uh, the reporter for BBC Derby, who, who covers the, uh, the Rams, and he was saying, obviously, huge amounts of change uh, on and off the pitch um, up at Pride Park. The new owner's given a bit of stability, but they only had five players um, contracted uh, when Liam Rossini uh, got the job after Wayne Rooney left. So he's had to bring 14 other players in. Um, so that will take time. But weirdly, they sort of started quite well and they've kind of fallen off a little bit of late. Um, so it'll be interesting to see if the pressure will be on because Liam Rossini is still only the interim manager. He hasn't been given the job outright formally. So I could sense there may be some pressure on there and of course Derby a massive club in League One um, and their fans although clearly relieved that they're able to now to talk about football matches and, and Derby County as a football club rather than having to nervously sort of read the financial pages to find out what's going on with their club and whether they indeed would still have a club they've come through that now brilliantly um, but they're now talking about the football again and now all of a sudden after a couple of sticky results uh, the pressure could be coming on to Liam Rossini and if Wickham were to win on Saturday, uh, which I very much hope they do, then then that will only add to that. But their fans, I think there'll be upwards of maybe 28,000 there on Saturday. Um, so I know Gareth Ainsworth does like to, to poop the party, shall we say. And if Wickham can start well and get that fan base on the home team's back and maybe on the manager's back, then that, that frustration can maybe seep onto the pitch for the players as well and, and could really suit Wickham Wanderers. And, uh, and it'd be fantastic for them to, to pick up um, another three points in, in what is the start of a very tough set of looking fixtures. I'm really interesting to hear the manager t- describing you know, the sort of team's progress is very much under the radar, which I think is, is kind of quite how he likes it. He loves being under the radar. He loves being the underdog. He always paints Wickham as the underdog. Um, and, you know, it's worked, hasn't it? it it's, uh, it's something he's struggled with uh, at times because 
we've had to play teams who we've now got a better budget than. And then now it's like, how are you going to paint this as the underdog now? But he always finds a way. Uh, but I think he doesn't have to try very hard to paint Wickham as the underdog in this game because this is Derby County. This is a huge football club, huge fan base. Uh, yes, they've had their challenges. And let's not forget there will be some spice around this fixture as well between the uh, the Derby fans, uh, who I don't think are particularly enamoured with Wickham Wanderers and, and Rob Kuhig, our chairman. Uh, that may well play its part on Saturday as well. Well, Peterborough coming up soon as well. Yeah, well, you know, another team that absolutely <laughs> love the work of this football club. <laughs> Pleasure to speak to you. Um, enjoy the game on Saturday and, of course, have a good journey up. I hope you're able to discover some treasure en route as well. Yeah, well, it's not, it's not, the, long, it's not the longest trip, but I think it's long enough for a services stop. So I shall see what we can find. Don't miss Phil's commentary here on Wickham Sound uh, and on Wanderers TV, where you can also catch the uh, full interviews uh, from Gareth and uh, from Max as well. Online, on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM, this is Wickham Sound. Still to come on this week's edition of the Wickham Wanderers show, we'll hear from Wickham Wanderers Women Ambassador Emily Isaac and more from manager Gareth Ainsworth as well. But first, uh, with a big thanks to the Wickham Wanderers Ex-Players Association, very much looking forward to bringing you this interview, uh, a chat with... Uh, Wickham Wanderers former winger Steve Guppy who in case you didn't know uh, is currently uh, coaching over in Nashville uh, with uh, former Wickham Wanderers uh, Gary Smith as well as uh, the head coach of Nashville in the MLS Uh, something else which is worth pointing out in this chat because it does get referred to is uh, another former player Andy Robinson who we've also chatted to on the show as well uh, is with him because it does get referred to Uh, but first uh, here is Steve telling us uh, his uh, earliest memories of his time at the club I just remember when that was like I moved to Wickham it was the first time I've moved away from home, so leaving mum and dad's house, and I moved into a uh, a little bungalow um, that Ivor Beeks, the chairman, owned, and I moved in with Andy Kerr, which was a was an experience in itself. <laughs> I was going to so, say, I'm um, sure we could do a whole show yeah. just on that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It might it might have to be after like after eight o'clock at night. But anyway, um, no, it was. Um, so it was, it was all new. It was, it was a fantastic experience, um, and I was. Uh, Playing, it wasn't quite as simple as, as I'm making it sound because Jim Cowman was manager, and I came in originally and played a couple of trial games, and uh, and he said no, bless him, Jim. He, um, he said he needed to get rid of a few players before I came in, which in in the game is code for no, we're not going to sign you. Incredibly, and the reason I'm going down this road because Robbo, we were talking about it last night, so I was going to go to Exeter on trial being like 19 years old, going to go to Exeter. They'd watch me play for the team I was playing for and they they, they wanted me to come down and have a, have a little a little go with them. But incredibly, I got a um, a pre-season letter from Wickham telling them to be at Bisham Abbey for pre-seasons, such and such. So I must have been on their database because they'd already said no. So I thought, you know what? I'll go, I'll go and train at Wickham to get fit to go to Exeter on trial. So um, I turned up at Bisham Abbey. I don't think they were expecting me to be there. It was like first day of pre-season. We went for like a four-mile run and then had 11 aside. But I, what I didn't realise, the 11 aside, I was up against Steve Abley, who was like the first choice uh, fullback at the time. And uh, I must have done okay because when the training session finished, I went to see Jim Cowman and said, listen, Jim, thanks very much. I'm off to Exeter. And he's like, hold on a minute, where are you going? And then they offered me offered me a deal to stay um, there and then. So around the houses, but that that was how it came to be that that I ended up signing for Wickham. So not not quite straightforward as uh, as people might think. And did it feel like you settled in really quickly? Because obviously a lot of the, the players that you play with and well throughout your time at the club, really, it was such an exciting brand of football that, that you were playing. 
It was incredible. I have to say, we, you know, it was this, you know, Robbo here, obviously, when I first came, he was like, oh, he, he was one of the main first team players, Andy Kerr, first team player. And I really was on the outside looking in, but they always, always sort of like took me under their wing, looked after me first time away from home. I wasn't very good at doing the washing up and um, things like that. Curry used to drive Curry mad. But then as as things started to evolve and I started to play a bit and get in the first team, you know, and then, then more signings and Martin O'Neill came in. I mean, I was, we were saying look, at one point it was a two-bedroom bungalow in the top of Booker. Robbo's laughing now. At one point there was about eight players living in it. I mean, there was um, – I had my own room. Curry had my own room. We had about six players living in the front room, yet, yet we won the league that year. So, um, you know, it didn't make any sense how, how things panned out. But what it was, it, the togetherness it all brought, you know, it was, it was immense. And I say, I've, I've obviously been really fortunate to play for a number of clubs, you know, for over like 20-year period or whatever it was. And I have to say that the, my time at Wickham, the togetherness and, and the, you know, um, and how we all were and, and how, 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 you know, the, the test of time where a lot of us all stay in touch together um, was really, really made all my experiences at Wickham, you know, super positive ones. It does sound like the, the bungalow in Booker should be really responsible for, for a lot of the, the, the success at that time. I think this would be a great selling point for, for bungalow, <laughs> bungalows in the area. It was a sad day when they knocked it down. I'll tell you that. But um, no, it was, it was, it was, listen, it was, we we're all young away from home for the first time. And it was just a great adventure. And, and, and we, we thoroughly enjoyed it. Brilliant times. Did it feel like a really special time at the club? Obviously this is even before, you know, you helped them into the, into the football league and obviously the playoff final and the FA trophy final at Wembley as well. And, and just some of those players that you mentioned, you know, we spoke to, to Glenn Creaser before and, and obviously Andy Kerr you mentioned and, and Jason Cousins and Dave Carroll, all those sort of people that, you know, all together, plus yourself, obviously, but, um, uh, you know, supplying brilliant crosses for Keith Scott. I say the real style of play that you, you were involved in then. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, Jim Jim Cowman was 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 a good coach, you know, and a good guy. But when he left, Martin O'Neill came in, and um, he turned everything on its head, really. And, and I think, you know, we could all sense that something good was in the making because, you know, there was this guy who just demanded so much, and his will to win just rubbed off on on all of us, and. Um, he took us on a journey, really, and also what helped as well. We went to a new stadium, so it was just like there was just something growing all the time. You know, we were really moving forward, and and um, you know, it just grew and grew and grew. And, and the nice thing was as well in them days, you know, the the fans or the, you know the supporters and the players, we, we all sort of socialised together. You know, there was a, a big bar after every game and the players and, and the supporters used to come in, mingle. You, and so we all kind of went on a journey together. That's what it felt like. Um, looking back now, you know, as you go to other clubs, there's a big, big distance between the players and, and, the, and the supporters. And, and sometimes it's needed. But, but really in them days, you know, it really it felt all the more exciting that we're all in it together and everyone could feel it. We had a fantastic manager, Martin O'Neill, and he, and he just took us all on this, this, this great, wonderful journey for a number of years. And such a fan favourite as well. I think obviously the style of play that, that you had, you know, taking players on and the great crosses. And, and I think it meant so much to, to fans. I mean, I spoke to someone recently who's a sort of similar age to myself. And he was saying, that, you know, he still remembers today. It was brilliant that, that you came to his school and coached. And he was like, oh, Steve Guppy came to our school and coached. And that was all when you were playing, you know, now, now obviously a, a successful coach in your own right. But he, he still remembers that. And uh, just to, for, for a Wiccan player who's, you know, doing so well and to come, come to his school and coach, it was, it was really exciting. And then obviously he come and come and see you on a Saturday as well. 
Yeah, well, well that, I think that, that highlights my point, I guess. I'm not sure my session back in them days would have been worth remembering. <laughs> I hope he's forgotten it. But um, but it was just it was just nice that, that we all, you know, and, and when we went out in the evenings, no one went down to London or anywhere like that. We went out, you know, in, in High Wick, and people remember the Orchard Nightclub and the, and the Boulevard, the bar, and that, because we're all young men just, you know, and, and just socialising together and, I think it all really helped, um, you know, the 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 bond of, of of the players, especially, but also the supporters as well. That there was a really unique period that was obviously fabulously successful, which made it all the more enjoyable. But it was still nothing but happy memories, and and I, and I think maybe the supporters from that era can relate to that too, because you know everyone was accessible. And those trips to Wembley must really stand out in your memory as well. Oh yeah, it was. It was, and I, and I, I talk about it a, a fair bit, you know, when Wembley and what have you. Is that you know we, we all dream as we're all as kids. We used to watch the FA Cup final, the build up throughout the day, you know, from that from that era. That maybe doesn't doesn't happen so much nowadays, but in our era, it, the FA Cup final day started about nine a.m. and it worked all the way through the day. And you always dream about playing at Wembley and walking out of that tunnel. To, you know, to be greeted by the crowd. And I, and I say, I have to say, that moment is one of the few moments in life where it's every bit as good as you hoped it would be. It was magical experience. You know, as I re- referred to earlier, there was a load of us living, living in, the, in, the, in the bungalow together. But when we got to like the fourth round, maybe moving into the quarterfinals, I remember like Matt Crosley and me, we like, well, that's all we spoke about. We spoke about, you know, can we get to the final? How can we get to the final? And, you know, there was nothing else going on in our lives apart from trying to get to this trophy final. It really was. It was it was incredible. And then, of course, we drew Altrincham in the semi-final, who were strong favourites to beat us. But, you know, we were so tuned in, a group of young players who were just so tuned in, you know, along with people like Crease and, you know, and Johnny Granville to try and make it. And um, it was you know, to play at Wembley and I look back now and all my family came and I got a big coach up from Southampton, you know, mum, dad and all on all these all these wonderful days that I look back and, and, and treasure so so dearly now. And it must be incredible as well to think, you know, I think I'm sure fans it's easy to take for granted, isn't it, that obviously before you turn professional you had jobs other than playing football as well and sort of away games at teams like Fisher Athletic and then all of a sudden you're you're at Wembley as well. Well, it, well, it's, it's it's true, you know. I mean, obviously, we, we, that that first time playing at Wembley was just so big a thing. But we all had job. I worked for Ivor Beaks. Is um, me and me and Robert both did. He says he did a lot more work than I did. And he's probably <laughs> right. I mean, just working on the building site, earn the extra money. You know, I did that for a while. Not sure I really earned my money, but I was out there. I was in the building site every day, but. I think after a year or so, I, I just decided, I think I was only on £50 a week. I think that's what I was on. Then after that, I decided to really take football a lot more seriously. So I tried to live off £50 a week and then just sort of like went practicing up a local field on my own every day. So um, I turned professional a couple of years before everyone else did. But, um, you know, it was it was great when we um, obviously won the conference and became professional players in our own right, which once again was you know, a, a magical experience, something that everyone dreams of becoming a professional footballer, and we were no different. You know, there was no doubt the manager, Martin O'Neill, was building a very, very decent team. And a lot of us were, you know, similar age, similar stories. where We hadn't quite made it 
for whatever reason in the pro game, you know, before that. And we all came together, you know, and, 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 and it just went on an incredible journey. Have you got any sort of particular favourite, if you like, games or occasions that particularly stand out? I mean, obviously, the, the, the Wembley finals um, were magical. I'll tell you one, one, one game. To be honest, when we get together, we don't often talk about the games. It's more, more about the, you know, the nights out or the, you know, the silly stories and what have you. But um, there was one game in particular when we played um, Sutton United in, um, in, the, in the second trophy run in 93. And um, we'd lost the first game at Adams Park. I think it was 3-2 which was a bit of a shock. We were, we were kind of expected to win comfortably. Sutton were a league below us, but they were a good team. So we lost it 3-2. So there was a little bit of um, hoo-ha about that and what we're going to do. You know, are we, are we not going to get to the final? So there was a lot of soul-searching went on, you know, as we had to wait one or two weeks for the replay, you know, for the second leg. So we went down to Sutton, just, you know, one goal down and they're at home. You know, so we were up against it. But I remember we speak about it fairly regularly, but it was the feeling in the dressing room just before we went out was so powerful where everyone was in such a zone because Martin O'Neill had really whipped us up and, 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 he, and you know, he knew, and he, he says, he says when, you know, said afterwards, I knew we were going to win. I think we all did when we went out. We were in such a frame of mind and we went out and obviously won convincingly, I think the 4 nil. but that, that feeling in the dressing room before the game, it was a feeling I didn't experience loads of times throughout my career it was, it was such an incredible experience and when you left to go to Newcastle obviously I guess a, a period of real mixed emotions especially for fans disappointed to, to see you go but obviously wishing you well at a higher level and, and, and your relationship with the, the manager as well is obviously much better now but it sort of changed then too yeah yeah I mean fuck it. It, it was such a tough one because we won obviously went up uh, into League One so one promotion and then my agent at the time you know was like listen Newcastle want you. Um, they were top of the premiership. You've got to remember that. Um, they were, you know, Newcastle United. Uh, but then it all got a little bit silly where my agent didn't do his job properly. He was trying to get me to do his work for him. And I was just completely sold on the idea of going to Newcastle. So, you know, I was, I was completely frustrating to the, to the manager. Obviously, we built such a great relationship. But... I think he understood that, you know, Newcastle was a massive, massive uh, opportunity. He was just trying to get the best for the club. But I was kind of out of contract. So although there was no Bosman in them days, um, it would go to a tribunal. And um, it, was, it was all a bit messy, really. But it didn't need to be. I blame my agent. <laughs> but at the end of the day, it what happened, happened. And, um, you know, I, I got to experience playing at you know, a, a fantastic club like Newcastle United. So it would have been really difficult to turn that down. I don't think many people would have. And obviously you went on to do really well with, with Port Vale and then obviously later with, with Leicester and then, you know, reuniting with the manager again and, and him taking you to, to Celtic as well. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it all worked out. It was fair, he didn't talk to me for a year, but um, I went to Newcastle, massive club, really, really, um, you know, they used to have like a thousand people come watch training. I mean, it was it was it was an incredible period. We had Andy Cole, Peter Beardsley up front. You know, they were really in the golden years. And I think the I'm pretty sure I'm saying they they signed a deal with Adidas, a shirt sponsorship that they didn't think they were going to get. So rather than of trying to bring in players like myself and Jason Drysdale signed from Watford the same day, so young up and coming players, they could then go out and buy ready made players. So they went out and bought David Ginola. 
which wasn't good news for me. <laughs> but uh, so so that came to an end within six months. Yeah, listen, it was, it was still an experience, and I, and I moved down to Port Vale. I didn't have a clue where they were, but they were a championship team. So although I took a step back, I was still playing in the championship at Port Vale, and that was a completely different environment altogether. You go from the top of Newcastle, top of the Premiership, to Port Vale, who were a decent, you know, championship team, but facilities were, uh, were you know, it was on their knees a little bit. You know, it was real. You know, you had to really roll your sleeves up and get get the job done. So, um, you know, that was a, you know, a great experience to try and you know, get through that period, really. Uh, and ultimately, towards the end of Port Vale, we had a very, very good side and, and we were very close to making the playoffs the year I left as well. So um, it all worked out. But it was, it was you know, you had to dig deep in the in the potteries. It's, it's not the greatest area. So it was, it was, it was tough. But, 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 you know, look back now, once again, on you know, with nothing but fond memories. Uh, were you still living in a bungalow at that time? <laughs> no, I'd, I'd grown up since then. I was with, with, with my girlfriend, and we were living in a, in a rented uh, accommodation. It was lovely, actually. It was really nice. But um, no, it was it was you know those times had moved on. You must be so proud of your your international uh, record as well, playing for under twenty ones and the the semi pro, the B, and of course the, the full full international as well. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a, it. Was a you know obviously incredible thing to happen. Um, but yeah, I'm playing for England non-league with Wickham. And it was like, I think it was a sign of how well the club had gone. I think mean, there was about five of us in that team when we, uh, we played Wales. So, um, it was just showed where Wickham was in the non-league scene at that point. And then moving on to Leicester, just starting to, you know, play in the premiership and, um, playing as a wing back, different to my role at Wickham, but, uh, still, still enjoyed it. And things started to move. Then the under twenty ones, England B, then the England full full team. It was it was a lovely progression, and um, it was once again just 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 memorable. It's funny. I used to when I was working with Roy Keane with the Irish team. He used to uh, always give me stick about playing two games for England, my first and my last. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so that was quite funny. But oh, the one thing I do remember is is um, you know when I played for England. It's like you know, you know, you line up and 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 have the national anthem. You only do that in England for, for finals and playing for your country. So it's quite a big thing. Well, over here in America, they they do it for every game. But you know, so it's quite a big thing. You look forward to it. And I, I remember I was stood there in the crowd, you know, in the in lining up, and the national anthem started. And I and I saw my dad in the crowd. And um, you know, when I think back, all the years he in the back garden practicing and and um traveling here there and everywhere he came to near on every single game at Wickham Port Vale and Leicester you know he was there all the way so we looked at each other and it, and it wasn't an emotional moment we both burst out laughing because it was almost like can you believe it's come to this you know where there it was playing playing for England so uh oh, it was this great journey and really nice for you to be coaching at international level as well again with with the manager for Republic of Ireland yeah, I mean, we went around the houses a bit, you know, um, loads of other coaching roles, but very, very fortunate to um, to have worked on the international scene as a coach. Really helped me a great deal. When, uh, as I referred to earlier, working with people like Roy Keane and Steve Walford again, and, and Seamus McDonnell, the you know Martin O'Neill's, you know, trusted backroom staff. So it was it was absolutely amazing to like work on the international scene. Yeah. The, the pressure you get for for any any like coaching role playing for a team is one thing but when you're representing a country 
you know that that it just feels you know incredible and then we we were fortunate enough to to qualify for the euros in france 2016 and i have to say that whenever i'm feeling miserable or, or down i never watch footage of myself playing I, I watch footage of the republic island goals that got us to the euros because it was such a magical magical thing that happened to us and we should, should mention as well obviously your second spell at Wickham. what was that like to kind of come back yeah um I'm just trying to think. I mean, uh, John Gorman was 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 manager. Paul Lambert was there first, and I went back and and, and was training. And it was it was a bit bit funny, really, because I went back and trained, and I was doing all right. I still had I still had a little bit left in the tank. And um, contract negotiations with Paul when I played with Port Southwick were were bizarre. Whereas you know I I, I had an idea of what I wanted to be paid. And his idea was completely different to mine. And um, we went back and forth. And I, I can't remember what the number was. But in the end, we were like, I was haggling over petrol money. And I still wanted to sign. I really wanted to do it. And then it came down. I saw, like, you know, £200, £200 a game. And then it went down to £100 a game. And it was like, geez, this, I'm, I'm working out here. I'm not even getting enough petrol to, uh, to, to, to get to the ground. And then in the end, Paul went, will you do it for free? So I guess looking back now, it was always leading to that. And I said, I will if you will. And I never heard from him again. <laughs> so, um, you know, that was, that was quite, quite funny. But, but um, no, I did, I played with, uh, for, um, for John Gorman. Steve Claridge came along as well. And um, yeah, it was all right. It was all right. You know, it was great to be with Keith Ryan again, a really good friend of mine and, you know, we were okay, mid mid table, but I'd already had this um chance to go and play in America with DC United and I was kind of tuned in on that. Really wanted at my age bounce around a little bit around the English league. So it was a an opportunity to uh, to go to America with something that I really wanted to do. So when that came to an end, um I was on a plane and and, and off to DC. So how have you found coaching? It must be really nice to be able to kind of pass on uh, things to other other pros. And I guess, obviously, especially, you know, who, who play in a similar position to yourself. Yeah, I mean, it's all right on a good day. Um, no, I, I as, a, as a coach, I, I'm really more into position specific. Um, and I love the art of 1v1s, taking players on. I think it's something that's not studied a, a great deal. Um, and I've taken upon myself the last 10, 20, even as a player, to, to really study, you know, the whole art of taking players on. And, uh, you know, I, I wish I'd known now back then, if I'd known back then at Wickham or whatever, some of the things that I try and help the players with now, um, it would have helped me a great deal. So, you know, I've come up with, a, for want of a better term, a bit of a 1v1 formula. And um, I teach the players or try and say teach, offer them up these ideas and we work on it on a daily basis. Because to me, to score a goal is the hardest thing in the game, no doubt. But then after that, the second hardest thing is to beat a player. So that's why for me, attackers, wingers, forwards have to work harder than everyone else because it's harder to create than it is to stop. Hence, as I was saying before we came on, this was my day off today, but I went in and worked for an hour with um, a couple of young wingers we got, just working on that, just repetitions to combine the feet with the body, um, movements and taking players on. Um, yeah, and, that, and that's what I love. I, you know, I really, really enjoy doing that, spend all my time um, studying it and um, and sort of like perfecting and working on this 1v1 formula to try and help, help players. And, and that's what I've really done. I guess since I started my coaching, you know, career is is was really sort of honing on that that sort of idea. 
And do you feel really settled in America? Because you said you, you, you played uh, the latter part of your career for a couple of clubs and now you've, you've coached with, with Gary Smith a couple of times as well and, and obviously now with Nashville as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, like, it's, like a, it's going to be like a Wickham Wanderers reunion in Nashville this week <laughs> with Matt Crosley and, and Robbo and Smudge. But um, do you know what? I, I mean, I had that experience at DC, really enjoyed it. My wife loved it. You know, we, it, was, it was great. But then it ended and I went back and had a year at Stevenage. So it wasn't really you know, intentional how it came about. I mean, it was a bit of a long-winded story. I'll spare you it. But I ended up um, being a player coach at Rochester Rhinos, which is like New York State. Um, and how that came about was just incredible. But it did. And then at the same time, Gary Smith was getting a job with Arsenal, going to work at Colorado Rapids over, over there. So we both were out in America at the same time. He ended up getting the head job at at Colorado, I ended up having a year playing and coaching in in Rochester, which was the USL, which was the league below MLS. And then when that season finished, he um he you know invited me to go and be his you know first assistant at, at Colorado. And that's really been the beginning of our story. Really, you know, we've I've been back and forth back in England with Martin O'Neill, you know, and and in Sunderland, what have you. But I always seem to keep finding my way out here, and it's not not intentional. It's just the way it's worked out. So I've been here in Nashville close to three years now, and we we got out here just before COVID hit, which obviously was tough for everyone. But um, you know now now we're we're nearly three years in. I've not been back to England since then, so uh, I'm hoping to get back for for Christmas this year just to you know visit friends and family. Online on Radio Player and on 106.6 FM. This is Wickham Sound. Final part of this week's Wickham Wanderer show still to come. We'll hear from manager Gareth Ainsworth as we look ahead to the visit to uh, recently relegated Derby County on Saturday. But first, we've been catching up with Emily Isaac, who's the Wickham Wanderers Women Ambassador, uh, and obviously a very exciting time to be involved with the club. A new coach. There's a new coach for the reserves team as well. The under-18s have joined the Junior Premier League Warriors, so they're playing like higher teams, our teams like Millwall Ladies, Nottingham Forest Ladies under 18s new home ground at Burnham loads of opportunities coming up at the club at the minute and we spoke to Amy last week and uh, Carl previously and Vice Captain Cara as well and uh, all of them saying you know it's such a great opportunity off the back of what the women's team has done at the Euros to to really uh, get behind uh, a team locally like Wickham Wonder for Moon as well 100% I I don't really know many like, women's teams in the areas but Wickham is obviously one of the biggest in our county so yeah, no, totally coming off the back of the Euros has really helped us. I think it's helped us gain supporters, helped us gain sponsorship opportunities because people now, you know, women's football is coming to be a big thing and we want to be part of that revolution. It really does feel like a time of growth at the club, doesn't it? Totally, you know, going from playing at Freckle Heath to Burnham, that is one big jump we've made. You know, we've got more players now than we've ever had before. There's huge, huge jumps that we're going up. So tell us a bit about the new ground, what that's like. Oh, it's fantastic. Uh, 3G pitch. Uh, supporters can come along and pay at the gate. It's £3 for adults. Under 16s are free. There's bar, toilets, just off the pitch side. Seats, you can stand. There's a little tea bar as well. So if you're thirsty, you need something to eat. It's always open. So yeah, it's really nice ground. I would love people to come down. Free parking as well. Plenty of parking. So hopefully we'll see a few people this season come through the gates. Great facilities for both fans and uh, also for the players as well uh, as they train there too. Oh, 100%. Changing rooms all inside with toilets this time. 
unlike other places we've been to. They train there as well on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So they're always there getting used to surroundings and we can call it our home. And the club have got so many fantastic ways that the supporters can get behind the team as well. Yes, yeah, so we've got a season ticket initiative at the minute. Um, it's £25 for adults. And obviously, under-16s are free anyway, so you get in. They can be bought online via the Wicked Wonders Trust website, and there's a section that says support the chair girls. If you go on there, it's all done online, and then a season ticket, an e-ticket, is emailed out to you within 24 hours of you purchasing. So that's one way. You just shut the gate, then you come in. And we've also got a... Um, a initiative to help sponsor and fund the women's team it's called chair girls champions it's 500 pounds and um, with that you get a range of benefits you get weekly match reports fixture updates because we only get them so many in a, at a time you get a season ticket with that as well loads of other benefits like exclusive training visits exclusive visits at burnham loads of things that'd be great if we can get some people on board to help us and you do a lot of the social media as well. Are you sensing there's a lot more interest in the club and a lot of more of a following in, in what the, the girls are doing? 100%. There's a lot more now than in previous years, and I've been doing this for nearly three years now. There's also a big help from the club as well, who are sharing it on their social media pages, putting it out on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, You know, putting it in the supporters groups, through the trust as well, played a huge part in helping the women's team You know, as they pretty much run it and fund it and all us volunteers are on it as well so it's becoming a very big thing now and we're getting loads of followers every day so it's good and interest not just in the first team but also the reserves and under 18 so are both doing very well too we've had a good start to the season just especially for the reserves and the first team a really good start both got wins at the weekend and clean sheets so that's even better yes our under 18 season starts in october but they've got a few games before that just to get used to the league, like a settling in few games. So we'll post them online. And a really nice way for supporters to get to know the players as well and, and their backgrounds and stories too. Going into the JPL is something we've never done before. So they're going to gain new experiences from that. We'll gain experiences on how it works. Um, and all their player information will soon be on the club website as well. So people can go on and see who's who then. And what sort of difference have you noticed that, that the new manager has made uh, since he's come in? Really, really good impact, you know, coming up with new ideas, brought in players, you know, top quality players for the league, up training, you know, training twice a week, all the equipment they've brought in, absolutely fantastic. So they're really good and we're really pleased that they're all on board. And speaking to Amy last week, she was saying there's such a real kind of family feel amongst the whole squad. I think there is, you know, a lot of them stayed on, which is really good. And the people that have come in have settled really quickly. I think, you know, we're one big family for the women's team and long may it continue. And I think something that's really inspirational as well for, for young players to, to sort of look up to them and, and, and perhaps, you know, aspire to be like them themselves. We want to inspire younger girls and younger people to join football. And this is the perfect opportunity to do that. So do come down to Burnham and watch them. You know, they're really, really good really good facilities and it's an enjoyable experience for everyone. And a great level of football as well for people that haven't seen women's football before. Uh, obviously come and see uh, Wickham Wanderers Women, a great introduction to that. I mean, we played at this level a few times, but there's a lot of good quality teams at this level. So it's going to be a challenge, but a challenge everyone's relishing to be successful in. So how can people find out more? Go on Wickham Wanderers Trust website. So we always put fixtures on there, 
news on there for the women's team. Same with the club website, all on there under the women's section and our social media pages. So at WWFC Women. Emily Isaac from the Wickham Wanderers Women uh, speaking to us here at Wickham Sound. Don't forget we'll be following the chair girls throughout the season here on the Wickham Wanderers show. Back to the men now, however, and uh, Gareth Ainsworth spoke to us this morning reflecting on uh, what's been a, a difficult week for everyone. Obviously, uh, it's just football as we're always thinking, what does that mean for the weekend? And then really, you've got, you've got to think, the Queen has died. You know, we are, it was like unexpected, but expected. And it was a crazy situation where, um, you know, somebody who, who um, obviously has been a big, I mean, the biggest the biggest person in this country for, for so many years, you know, has, has, has passed. And uh, no matter royalist, non-royalist, whatever you are, I think there's, there's respect for a 96-year-old lady who's, who's done a lot of good in the world who, who passed away, you know, and I think that's uh, that was important to to remember and respect and, and pay tribute to that. Um, I think uh, different age groups will do different things, but, um, you know, certainly I was, uh, I was, you know, very thinking about the family and thinking it's, at the end of the day, just because it's the Royal family, people have lost a mum and people have lost a, you know, a, a sister and, and, and a grandma and, and things like that. So that's, that's got to be taken into account. And then onto the football side, obviously you then, have to think and you almost feel a bit guilty sometimes saying right how do we try and how do we get the, the boys in the best shape for the next game and uh, while, while everyone's sort of trying to be in mourning but that's I think being very professional and being a very adaptable as well um, but I was really pleased that the uh, the players all observed the, the minutes silence really respectfully on Tuesday night before Accrington and uh, and the fans gave a great rendition of the national anthem um, I was proud of the Wickham fans to, to, to be singing so loud tiny bit out of sync but we can forgive that no worries <laughs> uh, I'm so I'm, I'm out of sync myself sometimes believe me so uh, it was uh, it was a really nice nice moment and uh and nice to cap that game with a win as well you know but um yeah it's uh you know, I'm sure the country's uh country's going to be a, a you know a, a loss for quite a few few weeks you know some people are going to feel it other more than others but um you know we have to be professional and, and like I say we get on with the football and uh and live life to the full that's, uh, that's probably the biggest message and so many positives for you to take uh, from the game on Tuesday as well yeah really really good positives you know Sam Volks being back is, is one huge positive you know I think Max Strake another clean sheet the, the change of formation Jason McCarthy coming in you know for his first game and scores a goal so plenty plenty of positives you know and uh, and I think that um, the patience uh, it's not really been a patience you know I didn't feel under any major pressure after the defeat, you know, I think um, people know what I am. I feel totally at one as a manager now, you know, at a football club, whereas probably in days gone by, you can't say that it was that those things, you know, but to 10 years is, is close to coming up now. It's uh, it's really nice that you've, you can feel good before games. Now it's not something, you know, I used to be like, Toss of a coin sometimes, and now I feel like confident before games that what we're going to do is right. The performances is going to be right, and uh, although Aki had a few shots, it was from very long range, and thought um, we defended very well. Max had one save to make, and he made it superbly well. I thought that keeper was very busy, um, and we looked like we can score when we go forward. So yeah, some real positives, and, and the biggest one was was getting the three points. We needed that um, keeps us in and around it all, and I think that. Um, Wickham is probably just, you know, under the radar at the moment, which is which is a perfect place for me. 
And it must feel even more so this season, but obviously uh, each team provides a different type of challenge and it must really please you that you know, the, the side is so adaptable. You spoke after the game on Tuesday about you know, how, how they can play in different ways. Yeah, we changed formation Tuesday. I thought it was the right thing to do. Um, and obviously after the game, you can say, yeah, it was, but we might have won 4-0 if I'd have, if I'd have put a back four out. So you, you don't, you, hindsight's brilliant. You know? Hindsight's absolutely brilliant. And uh, I think um, everyone does have a degree in hindsight, don't they, after the event? But um, for, for me, it's always what I've got to do before the event. And, uh, and I'm the one who picks up the pieces afterwards. But uh, it's nice when it goes right. And as you say, Colin, our adaptability, I think, over the years, to be able to play different formations, to be able to change seamlessly during games. You know, we went to a two up top right at the end of that game because I thought that was the right thing to do as well and get some pressure. And Ali Alhamdi came on, really did kill the game, you know, and, uh, and, and thought it did really well. So, yeah, all, all these little moments, uh, you, you live and die by those decisions. And uh, luckily, I think I've lived more than I've died in, uh, in my Wickham tenure. But um, I intend to keep going that way and uh, hopefully we can, uh, we can keep that up for Saturday. A question based on an actual fan discussion. Do you favour uh, three or four at the back, or does it really depend? <laughs> it really depends, honestly. You know, I like both. I do. I think we're solid with the four sometimes, but I think we're very, very effective as a three as well. So there's your answer to that. Work that one out. <laughs> it could have been a very short or very long answer. It's like one of those exam questions, and discuss. <laughs> and obviously going ahead to, to Saturday, I'm sure many many fans will, there'll be a bit of extra um, spice to the game, if you like, best, based on what happened in the Championship and, and the, the relegation issue and, and with the club and stuff. But I guess that doesn't really come into to your planning or, or the players, really. There'll be no extra incentives at the training ground, believe me, Colin. I'll be doing the opposite. I don't want us to take that any foot off the focus of football and, and intensity that we've got to do. There, there needs to be no spice involved in this. If we have spice in games, there will be, there'll be something on every single game that, that something happened years ago, you know. So we can't be doing that, you know. We, uh, we, we, um, we really got to say that Darby got more points than us in, in one year in the Championship, okay? Uh, it was just that they did it fairly. That's fine. Let's that's, that's, go again. We'll go on Saturday now in, in League One, and uh, and hopefully we can we can get the points for a League One campaign and forget any anything that's gone by. You know, if you keep if you keep holding grudges, you you, you know you know, you're going to have a, a tough life. You know, so let's uh, let's get on with things and uh, and we can we can make sure that you know we're at our best on Saturday, and, and that's all I want to do for Wickham Wanderers. There'll be no mention of uh, of these of, of the team and, and what happened so not for me it's uh it's definitely a whole different team and uh, i'm looking forward to seeing what we can do excellent to hear from manager gareth ainsworth i hope you've enjoyed all our guests this evening really enjoyed the chat with steve guppy uh, join us next week uh, don't forget prior to that of course we've got live commentary from derby on saturday we've got the papa john's trophy against stevenage on tuesday night as well you'll be able to hear uh, that live on uh, wickham sound on 106.6 fm and also on wanderers tv as well uh, and uh, plenty of football to look forward to we've got Sheffield Wednesday uh, in a couple of weeks as well uh, we'll be uh, previewing that on next week's show and uh, hearing once more from the manager here on Wickham Sound uh, enjoy the rest of the game, games and uh, have a good week as well <laughs>